friends. Welcome to the podcast. I am Melissa Matheson, and I'm sitting here in front of the fireplace with a hot cup of coffee, doing my best to stay warm in this crazy, unpredictable weather here where I live. Lucky for me, I like fireplaces and I like coffee, so I guess it's a good day. I've been thinking a little bit lately about transition, obviously, since that's what this podcast is all about, but thinking specifically about transitions that happen in our life each day that we may not even realize uh, or recognize until one day, weeks or months later, we experience a change in seasons in our personal life or our family life, and we can look back to see that all along we've been prepared for the moment that we are now in. While some transitions feel like suddenlies, it probably just seems that they happen quickly, although the beginning may have started even years earlier. Today I'm talking with my friend David, who as a young boy always thought it would be kind of cool to be a police officer. Well, that young boy grew up, had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life, then went to ministry school thinking a childhood dream of being a police officer was just kind of a fun idea. After two years of ministry school, David realized that being in ministry meant he could love Jesus and be a police officer. He is now serving our city and being a beacon of light and hope in some pretty dark places at times. So grab your coffee and join us at the table. We're talking about wrestling, ministry, and police academy today on What's Next, God? You know, I love podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. Are you really? Yes, I love podcasts. I would rather listen to podcasts than listen to music. Have you always listened to podcasts? No, I didn't start listening to podcasts until uh, I had a commute to Tupelo every day. Okay. When I worked at AT&T. Yeah. And I listened. I started off with, you know, I was working in technology retail. So I started off with like tech podcasts, which I still like technology and I'm still listening to them. And then uh, like crime junkies. I love stuff like that. Yes, everybody's into crime junkies right now. Um, The podcast Serial. I enjoyed that one. So that was good. The first season was better than the second and third for anybody that's going to go listen. Good to know. <laughs> uh, but it's good. So, I've, yeah, I've always loved podcasts since I started listening to them. Yeah. But I've never been a huge music person. When I first moved here, you know, I, I had subs in my car. You know, I, I like the, the bass of music, but, uh, and I love worship music, of course, but, uh, you know, I'd rather listen. When I work out, I listen to podcasts. Yeah. So. That's so interesting. It's such a new world for me. Um and but that's how I got started when I was having to drive so much to Tennessee yes. uh, from Alabama. Mm-hmm. And you can only listen to songs for so long, and you're like, I just need something else. And yes. I kind of got into a few, not a whole lot. Have you always been a coffee drinker? No, I actually hated coffee before I moved to Hamilton. I was not a big fan. I would drink it, but it was like sweet. You Lots have to cream. have sweet. Are you still a sweet coffee drinker? Or are you? No, I can. I normally drink it black when I work day shift. They made a pot of coffee. And- Drink You'll drink it black. black. Mm-hmm. I like black coffee actually. So Do if I go to the really? coffee shop, the house drip, I'm a big fan. You'll I like sweet coffee too, though. Okay, no, nope. I'm a sweet coffee drinker. I like um, I like a little coffee uh, with a lot my. Of sugar. Yeah, creamer. I don't put sugar. I'm good to do just like creamer right. in it, but uh, the black coffee thing, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not big girl enough yet for that. Yeah, <laughs> I do like sippy stout. cup coffee. Like I need a little bit of, but now I don't do frappuccinos or anything like that. That's like way too much sugar. Sure. I feel like that's eating like an ice cream cone. I right. can't do that. Yeah. If I get like a specialty coffee from Starbucks, I always get like half the amount of, you know, pumps that come in it with an extra shot. Yeah. You know, I want to taste the coffee. I so. always do the extra shot too. Yeah. I'm an extra shot kind of girl. I love coffee though. Yeah. Like we, every time we go on a road trip, <clears throat> we try to make it a point to go to. A coffee shop somewhere. Yeah, so, to have like coffee. We went to Pigeon Forge. 
I guess last weekend, I had a long weekend come up, so we took a trip up there and we had coffee at the Margaritaville coffee shop up there. Yeah. It was pretty good. I haven't been there. It was okay. It was okay. Yeah, it, was okay. <laughs> it was decent, um, but you know. I, Sometimes in touristy places like that, um, it is that. It's like not great. It's just yeah. like, okay. It gets like the job done. My favorite coffee shop so far is Velo Coffee in Chattanooga. Oh, really? Oh, like a hole in the wall. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've had to order coffee online from them before, but I've never been to their coffee shop. So it's amazing. I actually guess didn't realize there was an actual storefront coffee shop for them. Mm -hmm. I just thought they just had coffee. It's it's random. There's like a a building in the front. It's not a coffee shop and you have to walk through a fence like a, I mean, it literally looks like a hole in the wall. You just walk right in the door and it's- To go into the coffee shop. mm -hmm. They have a roaster to the left and everything. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's real industrial looking. Like the kind of Ooh, just threw everything I kind of like there, that. So, yeah, it's cool. I do like coffee shop culture, like the that whole industrial feel. Or I'm kind of more that than the cozy coffee shop. I'm yeah, kind of more too. the modern mm-hmm. instead of the vintage when yeah. it comes to aesthetics in a coffee shop. But I uh, I like coffee, and coffee is like my husband's love language. <laughs> so <laughs> this is how uh, my husband and I connect: is with cups of coffee. In the morning and in the afternoon (laughs) and sometimes in the evening. Every time I have an espresso machine, like one of the little cheap ones you can buy. Every time Bethany comes to my house, can you please make me a latte? Please. So. I have to tell you uh, a story about Bethany. Uh, So you're a twin. Mm Mm-hmm. So you have a you have a twin sister named Bethany and uh, who I love, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And one day she was at the office with me, and we were we were just kind of ch- chatting while we were doing some work. And she made a comment that she was a twin, mm-hmm. and I was like, "You're a twin?" And she goes, "Yeah, uh, you know, David Fraser. That's my <laughs> twin." And I was like. David Fraser's your twin? I had known you guys for a couple of years and yep. did not know, one, that you were related. I just thought they were just two people that had the same last name. Right. I did not know you were related, and then I didn't know you were twins. And I was like, David Fraser's your twin? So tell me twin stories. Like, is this something you love being a twin? Yeah. Is, is all the twin stuff real? Like, um, To an extent, I'd say. Okay. It's interesting. So I had a heart attack in 2015 before. This is what I graduated high school. I was in college. <clears throat> and she was somewhere. I don't remember where she was, but she was sick, I think, when I was in the hospital. Like, wasn't feeling good and stuff like that. She'll tell you the story. She's better at it than I am. But uh, there's multiple times growing up, I'd say, when, like, I'd be sick and then she wouldn't be feeling good, too. Yeah. Weird. That is I, interesting. I thought, you know, I thought it was just coincidence every time, but it is interesting. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it, it probably is a coincidence, but I don't know. So, so you had a heart attack in 2015. Mm-hmm. How old were you? 18. What happened? I had myocarditis, just inflammation of the heart muscle due to an infection. I had gotten, I used to wrestle in high school and college, and they said, they never figured out what happened, like how I got it, how I ended up having a heart attack, all that stuff. But they said uh, something about me putting a lot of strain on my heart with cutting weight and stuff like that. Could have done it, but they have no idea. So where are you from? Uh, Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina. Oh. It's about 40 minutes north of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So it's near the beach, like you're- I lived- Three miles from the beach, yeah. I worked on the beach. It was awesome. Yeah. And that's where you were raised? Like, you grew up there? Yeah. So, I'm originally from Virginia. I was raised there until I was, like, 11. Okay. And I moved to Ocean Isle. So, like, the big parts, very influential parts of my life were raised at the beach. At the beach. Mm -hmm. Do you still love the beach now? Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. How old are you now? 22. 22. Be 23 in May. Still love love the beach. Yeah. uh, You know, I'm from there and I was raised there, so it's not... 
you know, everybody's like, oh my gosh, I want to go to the beach, you know. When I think about going to the beach, I don't want to go back home because I was raised there, you know. <laughs> the only reason I'd want to go back home is like go surfing because the Gulf doesn't have waves. It's like a lake down there. So That's true. Uh, Ocean Isle, that's kind of touristy, isn't it? It is. Uh, Asher and Ryan McCoy. Yes. They moved there. Is so, that where they mm-hmm. are? Yeah. That's how I met my wife because Ashley is Tori's first cousin. Wait a minute. Yeah. Okay, wait a minute. That's just too weird. Yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so you're married to Tori. <laughs> yes. How long have you guys been married? Uh, it'd be three years in September, so about two and a half years. You were 19, 20? I was 20 when we got married. Is she the same age? She's 24 now. Okay. She's older. Right she now. is? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is older. That's hilarious. Uh, any hesitations on getting married so young or... No, I met her, so I met her, like, I got saved two weeks before I moved here. I met her, like, when I got saved. Just in passing at where I'm from, we hung out a little bit. You know, I was newly, freshly saved. She actually didn't like me before that. She didn't care for me. Uh, Again, I was newly, freshly saved, so that's why. Yeah, you were still a little rough around the edges. (laughs) Yes, I was still rough around the edges when I moved here. So, uh, yeah, so we met in 2016, and then... We started dating. We were engaged in, I think, eight months. Married in September 2017. Wow. And then had a baby in January of 2018. Do you you guys want a big family? We wanted a big one at first. Sophia's been such a good baby. Yeah. Tori's like second guessing. I don't know if she's so good. Don't know if you can do it again. another one. But, (laughs) you know, when we first got married, we were like, yeah, we want five kids. You know, that was like, you know, I've got four sisters, so that was normal. She's got a lot of siblings, big family. Yeah. And so that's what we wanted. But we'll see. <laughs> well, you're young. Yes. You've got plenty of time yes. doing that. Um, we actually have, that's, I think, going to be an interesting conversation to have. I want to soon bring in uh, a lot of couples that have gotten married, like, before 25 and talk about what it's like being married so young uh, because we have some people that get married later. So I want to do kind of a mix of both just to find out um, what it's like for younger people to get married. Because sure. I was older when I got married. Of course, Dave and I have only been married five years. So it's a kind of a different thing for older people to get married than it is for younger. So I'm, I want to delve into some of those differences maybe with married people. So you and Tori will have to come and yes. tell us your story about how you met, dated, and married. So we've been talking uh, with a lot of people lately on vision and purpose for their life. Of course, that's always a topic people talk about when there's a new year. You know, everyone sets goals and resolutions and we start talking about our purpose and dreams and desires. Um, And you have a a new job that you have started. And I want to talk about how that happened for you because you told me you're living the dream with this job. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Living the dream. (laughs) (laughs) You're a police officer officer in our city. In Hamilton, Alabama. Uh, I got hired on last July. So I've been with them going on eight months now. Yeah. So So this has always been something you said you wanted to be a detective when you were little. So being a police officer and detective is something you've always wanted to do? Yeah. So the responsibilities of like a patrol officer and an investigator are completely different. You know, you have an investigator who's... Uh, well, patrol, for example, you know, we patrol the city and we answer calls. So like that, sometimes the investigators will do the same, but you know, their job title is to investigate the crimes that we take in first. So we're the first ones on scene and have to do all that and they do the rest. Um, of course, and then you have narcotics and stuff like that, which is 
you know, what I want to go into eventually. Oh, really? Whoa. So, patrol has been a lot of fun. And, you know, I always said I wanted to be an investigator, but I'm living the dream on patrol right now. So Yeah, because you're the it. first person on the scene for stuff. I feel mm-hmm. like that could be uh, an adrenaline rush of yes, some sort. Yes, it depends on the, yeah. <laughs> on the situation. <laughs> yes, we've seen some different things. You know, you get some calls and, you know, it's an interesting balance having to be, you know, being a Christian, being in church, they always tell you to show people grace, be nice. And I always try to be nice, but it's an interesting balance, you know, because in this job, you sometimes have to be mean to people, you know, not mean, but very upfront and personal with people, you know? Yeah. So that's an interesting balance. Well, because but, you're enforcing a law right, right? in a way. And so it does require maybe sometimes coming down uh, a little bit. So yeah. maybe that is grace. It's just, uh, hey, the grace is I'm helping you so you don't get yourself killed or in even worse shape than you're in. Yes. So in a way, but it does look different than the way we were raised. Were you, so were you raised in church? You said you didn't get saved until you were older, but were you raised in church and knowing about God? Not really until I was actually the first one to go back to church in my family. Okay. So I think we went maybe a little bit when I was little. Um, so we moved to North Carolina when I was like 12 and we were in and out of churches then, you know, like we'd go and then sometimes I wouldn't. My mom had friends that were in church, but I went to a church called Highest Praise, which is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yes. Yep. And when I was like 15, 16 with a bunch of my friends, you know, we just went for the youth group and stuff like that. I don't know if you know who Nate and Megan Turner are. Yeah. He was my youth pastor at the time. I forgot about <laughs> yes. that. So Nate and Megan, oh, another Another couple we love, yes. uh, living their dream in England. In England, uh, yes. yes. Yes, I remember when I moved there. So they were your youth pastors. At the time, yeah. At the time. So I went then. Uh, I actually came to a ramp conference. This is funny, too. This is kind of off subject. The first ramp conference I went to, Tori, was three rows behind me at conference. Had no idea. And, and you know. didn't know her then, your mm-hmm. wife. Mm-hmm. And she was there. Mm-hmm. Well, so- I didn't know that until we had already been married, I think we talked about it. I've heard of people that are married that will pull out like old pictures from high school or college or a party or a birthday or something, and their spouse is in the picture and they didn't even know them then. Yeah, that's weird. And they'll be like, oh, that's weird. You were at the same party I was, or you had the same friend I had. We were at the same bonfire together. Right. That is a little weird. Yeah, it is. But yeah, so I got saved. Uh, Well, I came to a conference and had an encounter with the Lord out. No, if I call it saved, I had an encounter. Yeah. Um, and then I went back home and, you know, two weeks later, it was kind of into the same stuff I was in at the time. So I went to, you know, graduated high school, went to college, and then uh, had an encounter with the Lord June of 2016. How many years of college had you finished by then? I was just, you know, I had a heart attack that December, so I had finished oh. just a semester. Okay. And then okay. I committed to wrestling college uh, maybe four or five months later. Then got saved and dropped that and moved here. So yeah, do you uh, do you still do wrestling or love wrestling? Or? I love it. I wish there was somewhere closer around here that did, did it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, you know Richard and Stephen and all them do jujitsu. Yeah, and I did a little bit of like rolling around jujitsu, mixed martial arts when I was in college, training some different guys with the wrestling, and then they'd return the favor. But I haven't had a chance to get into it here. I'd love to, but yeah, I haven't had a chance yet. Yeah. So. Well, you're kind of busy, you know, work, wife, baby. Yes. You've had you've had a busy couple of years. <laughs> yes. Um, so you are uh, 18, 19 years old, and then you ended up in Hamilton, Alabama, because we have a ministry school here at the ramp called the Ramp School of Ministry, and you came as a student to mm-hmm. go to ministry school. Why, why did you do that? So 
This is really cool. The Lord always speaks to me through dreams. I told you that I had a dream before yeah. I got hired on. Yeah. Um, so I came down to the conference, got saved. I was already like, had already paid a deposit to go to college, like a dorm deposit, all that stuff to wrestle out of college uh, called St. Andrews University. Okay. And on the way home, I fell asleep in the van and I don't ever remember having like God dreams growing up. Mm-hmm. I think. If I did, I never documented them or ever wrote anything down. He's like that, you know, just woke up. That's weird. This one, I had a dream that I was moving into, it used to be called Animal House, but Ian Bounds. <laughs> yes. It's a, Animal House in my heart still, but, uh, you know, I had a dream that I was moving in. We'd actually stayed, <coughs> excuse me, in the um, Animal House for summer rent. Uh, so, I had a dream that I was moving in, moving all my stuff in, but the only thing I was moving in was wrestling shoes. So I was taking, unpacking all my wrestling shoes, moving them into a dresser, which happened to be the same room I stayed in my first year. Oh, wow. It's really interesting. That is interesting. And so moving them into a dresser. And I, as I'm waking up, I can hear the Lord say, take the gifts I've given you to the place I've called you to. Very audible. Like Ryan McCoy was sitting in the front seat and I thought, you know, he could have said it. That's how loud it was. Wow. And so I woke up. I put it in my notes instantly. You know, just the dream that I had. I didn't tell anybody. We get to Zaxby's, we eat, and the whole time I'm just like blown away. Like, what is this? What's going on? Type thing. <clears throat> and so I text Ashley and Ryan when I get home. Hey, this is a dream I had. I don't know what it's about, but I think I'm supposed to move to Hamilton. And at the time, of course, you know, my parents were all like, go to college, get a degree, because my mom and stepdad and my dad didn't do that, you know. And so I told him, I was like, hey, uh, I had this dream, told him about it. You know, wake up Monday morning, email my wrestling coach, say, hey, I'm not coming. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, I moved, I think, 10 days after that. To Hamilton. To, Hamilton. Yeah. to go to ministry school. Mm-hmm. Did you do two years of ministry school? Mm-hmm. What did you think you wanted to be when you were in ministry <laughs> school? Probably not a police officer at not the time. Not a police officer. No. I, You know, I moved here, and when I was like 15, 16, I had a conversation with Nate Turner about being a youth pastor one day. You know, this is after I'd had an encounter with the Lord and talked to him a little bit about it and then kind of just strayed away from that. <clears throat> and I thought the same when I moved here that, you know, I'd go into ministry somewhere when I graduated. We had an opportunity to go into ministry. It just didn't work out. And so uh, I worked in retail for a long time, for like two and a half years at at and And that never worked. You know, that was, it was good, but it wasn't. It paid the bills. Right. It paid the bills. It was not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And so. I think a lot of people have to do that kind of thing. Yes. Yes. We were married, so I had to have a job. You know, I sold cars before that. I didn't like that either. So. Yeah. It was an interesting time. So, so, thought maybe you would be a youth pastor. And then when did this thing go, hey, maybe let's go to police academy? So, we were planning on moving. You back, were going to move back home. Back home. To North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, I had already kind of talked to Tori a little bit about maybe becoming a trooper, back where I'm from. You know, I've always wanted to work with Cod around here, working dope, but uh, working narcotics and stuff like that. <clears throat> and the troopers back home do that. Um, Alabama state troopers, they have different divisions. So like troopers just work traffic and wrecks most of the time, DUI. And then you have like an actual division that works narcotics. Mm -hmm. That's hard to get on. So we're going to move back home and do our thing there. You know, we're going to plug into high sprays or I talked to the pastor there and then Hamilton opened up a spot here. What did Tori think about you being a police officer? No. <laughs> she was not about it. No, she was not. Yeah, that's rough. What did that conversation look like? So when I her? first asked her about it, you know, when we first got married, I told her I'd have been interested in it previously and talked about maybe working with Hamilton one day and it just never worked out to where I could while I was in RSM. You know, I was here for RSM at the time. 
And I wanted that to stay my priority. Yeah. And so, you know, when we first talked about it, she was like, nope, I'm not going to marry a cop. Or I'm not going to be with a cop. Yeah. You know, she wouldn't divorce me, but she wouldn't have allowed me to do it. And so it was that conversation was interesting because in my heart, I knew there was something still in me that I was like, I want to be a police officer. You know, you just think about, you know, you see blue lights. You're like, yeah, I wonder what it feels like to pull somebody over or something like that. You know, you just... (laughs) You know, you have kids that dream of being a cop when they're younger and they think, oh, my goodness, it must be so much to be fun to be a cop. And it is. It's a dream. You know, you get to help so many people and then enforce the law on the other side. But she was not about it. Yeah. You know, the dangers of being a police officer nowadays are different than they were, you know, 25 years ago. That's true. So. When did that switch come for her when she's like, okay. I think because I was so miserable working retail. Yeah. You know, I just, I didn't have any purpose. I was... Graduated from RCM, we were still, you know, planted at the ramp, but I just didn't have any purpose with where I was uh, career-wise. Personally, you know? right. And so, uh, we had a conversation and, you know, she was like, okay, well, Hamilton's a small town, so if that's what you want to do, you know, I'm okay with that right now, with mm-hmm. it being with Hamilton. If I'd have told her right off the bat I'm going to Birmingham or something, she'd have been like, no. There's no know? way. But. Little did you know, we got big city problems in a small town here. So. <laughs> we do. You know, we deal with just as, you know, I wouldn't say just as much volume wise, but same stuff. But. Same stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did that look like? Police Academy. Tell me, tell me that's process in becoming a police officer. What do you have to do? So I got hired. Well, I had an interview in June. I took a PT test for the department with like six or seven other guys. You have to do a certain amount of push-ups and sit-ups in a minute and then run a mile and a half. And then um, after that, I had my first interview with the chief and the lieutenant. Uh, so Chief Ronnie Vickery and Lieutenant Penley, Jimmy Penley. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went well. I was the first one there. Of course, I'm dressed up in a suit, dressed to impress type thing, you know, red, white, and blue, actually. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so I had my interview. My interview lasted maybe 10 minutes. Like it was a very short interview. He just asked me a couple questions. And I called Richard Wilson after that. So this is the way my interview went. And I don't think I got it. You know, they just kind of explained some things to me and told me there was a couple of the certified officers that had already been had mm-hmm. already applied. And so certified officers, meaning they've already done police academy, police academy. and everything, but you have not done that right. yet. So oh, they okay. were either hired on with the department somewhere else or had recently left a department, you know, within a year or two. Yeah. I think all the ones that apply with me had were still with the department, you know, so they were trying to leave and come to Hamilton. And so I interviewed, I called Richard, said, hey, man, I don't think I got it. He didn't tell me, but he didn't think I got it, just the way the interview went, you know? And so, I wake up the next morning, I'm like, all right, well, Lord, I had that dream. You know, I had a dream the night, so the night before, um, I told the Lord, I was like, you know, if this is what I'm supposed to do, I don't want to go into this interview and waste time. Right. Um, I want this to be what I'm supposed to do. I want to make sure, because I kind of felt peace about it, but hadn't had that word from the Lord, this is what I'm supposed to do. So, I had a dream that night, I was directing traffic as a police officer with Hamilton. And so... uh, you know, I wake up and I go to the interview the next day. I was still working at AT&T. And he calls me. So the day after my interview was a Friday. I was working in Tupelo at the mall at their kiosk that they have there. And he calls me. He's like, you still want to work for me? I said, I didn't change my mind. <laughs> and I was so giddy in the mall. You know, I was so excited. I'm sure everybody there, you know, I was talking to myself. Of course, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this is real. I called Tori. You know, I was so ready to put my two weeks into I wish I could, you know. I, don't, I wouldn't have just walked out for integrity and character, but right. man, it would have been nice, you know. <laughs> so, but yes, it was. Hey, I think that that's time. something interesting too to say. I know it's just a, a job in retail, but the 
the whole thing about finishing strong. You didn't just walk out and quit. Because <laughs> yes. I feel like for people that are in season transitions sometimes like that, when you finally get that word and you're ready to go, uh, you want to just go right then. Right. And sometimes uh, that you can't do that. There's a process to transition to the next thing yes. and to be able to recognize that. Yeah, you're talking about giving a two-week notice at a job, but what if it's like God tells you to move to another city, but then it's two months right, and right. you're in this process. So even though you're excited, you have this word, this is what I'm going to do. And then God goes, no, you wait, you got to. You got to finish this out, Slow and that's down. what you did. Yeah, Slow down. <laughs> so you put in your two weeks' notice uh, in retail, and then what's the next step in becoming a police officer? Uh, so I just did ride-alongs, really. I mean, I was hired on with the city. I got so you got hired on right away. Yeah. So it, as soon as my two weeks ended, uh, well, actually, I, my two weeks haven't hasn't even ended at this point. I go to a city council member. Mem- goodness gracious! I go to a <laughs> city council meeting where uh, they were agreeing, pretty much all they do there is they agree to pay you what, they, what you're offered. Um, the mayor is the one that actually approves you. Oh, and okay. so I'd already been approved by the mayor and then I had to go to city council meeting and get hired there. That was before I had even left at and I mean, I'd put it in two weeks, but it was like right away. Yeah. That's so as soon quick. as he called me, it was two weeks and I was on the road yeah. with an officer. So, What does the, police academy look like? In Alabama, it's 13 weeks, depends on the state you're in. Um, I went to the Tuscaloosa Police Academy, uh, and it was great. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, uh, the only, I think the hardest part with being in the police academy is my family was here, and I okay. stayed in Tuscaloosa. You did stay. So, I was there Monday through Thursday, sometimes Friday, but most of the time I came home Thursday night. Yeah. Um, after class. So, I was there Monday through Thursday. You know, we had a six-month-old little girl. I don't even think she was six months old yet. She may have been. And so that was hard. But being mm-hmm. home on the weekends, you know, we always made it intentional. I like was never on my phone. I put it up, you know, because I'm gone all week. So when I'm home on the weekends, it's very intentional. Yeah. Time with my family. You know, I'm quality time, more quality time now than I was when I, you know, me and Tori first met. Yeah. I think having a kid may have something to do with that. It does. <laughs> I think it does. God kind of comes in and kind of rewires uh, you to be the person he needs you to be yes. now as yeah. a husband and a father. Right. So for sure. So finished police academy and now you are a police officer in the city. What is uh, something, have you had like anything really super scary happen yet that you can talk about? Yeah. Um, we've had a couple of, these investigations are close so I can talk about them. Um, my first day off FTO maybe which is field training officer where you ride around with the field training okay. officer and he trains you and you learn the roads, learn the systems. Because before I left, I kind of just rode around, was there for backup, you know. Um, I didn't do a whole lot of like pulling people over, nothing like that, because mm-hmm. I wasn't an actual certified officer. Um, so this might have been my first call off FDO or right towards the end of it. We had a, some people get shot in Winfield and he was supposed to have come to Hamilton. Whoa. So we get a call that he's in Hamilton you know, we could try to find him, but we, he ended up not being there. But, you know, you know you're know, going to a gun call about somebody who's already shot somebody. And I know he's not going to be scared to shoot a police officer if he's shot three other people. Yeah. You know, he ended up not being there. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what the disposition was with the case because it was a, a Marion County case, not a Hamilton. So, yeah, we didn't actually work it. But, you know, we've, you know, anything to do with like gun calls, sometimes domestics, 
I wouldn't call them scary, but you have to be like on your toes. Yeah. Because emotions are high. Nobody calls us when they're having a good day. Most of the time they call us <laughs> on a bad day, you know? Unfortunately yes. so. Yeah. So emotions are always high on any type of domestic or something like that. On any call, really, because somebody has called us for a reason, you know? So somebody's upset about something or needs help. So yeah. domestics can be very dangerous. A lot of police officers get killed responding to domestics. Yeah. Which is between husband and wife, mother, father, stuff like that. Wow, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, what what drives you? What What do you see yourself doing in this? What are you loving most when you say living the dream? Is it just your desire to help people, to protect people? What what yeah, fuels you? I think it's a mixture of both. It's a mixture of a lot of things. Being a police officer, you have so many titles. You know, you think we're, not you personally, but there's a lot of people who just think, you know, we're out driving around, drinking coffee, eating donuts, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the light, especially, I'd say, in Hamilton or in Marion County, you know, we don't have a news outlet that publishes everything. That goes on within the city. Like so we don't bus, know really what's like going that. on. Right. Oh, that's so, so interesting. When I first moved here, I thought, oh, it's little old Hamilton. The worst drug in Hamilton's probably marijuana. You know, like you just you're so blind to it. And then when you get out and you start working with the city, you realize it's a lot worse than that. So wow, why don't we talk about that in Hamilton more? Um, I think it's the culture that was created within maybe in uh, how do I say this? maybe an older community within Hamilton that built Hamilton. Okay. Um, I think it was maybe just a culture that was created where we may just kind of sweep everything under the rug and hide it a little bit. Um, You know, there's a lot of people who do know what goes on, as in when it comes to narcotics and stuff like that. We have a a big meth problem in Hamilton Mm -hmm. Um, or just drug problem in general. But then you have the news outlets around here. They don't publish a whole lot. Like with those people that got shot in Winfield, you would have never known. Yeah. Um, a lady got stabbed maybe two years ago now. She got kidnapped at a gas station here in town. I never knew about it. Yeah. So, you know, it's I don't know is if it, maybe it's the culture that was created previously, maybe yeah. years ago, and it just kind of carried over now. Is it also to maybe keep people from being afraid or yeah, um, I think worried or concerned? Maybe there's good intentions behind it. Yeah. I, th- I think maybe, uh, you know, Hamilton is a great place. I love the city. You know, when yeah. I first moved here, when I, I, you know, when I come to a summer ramp, when I got saved, I remember looking at the city and being like, I love the city. Yeah. And it's changed so much since then. Yeah, it has. And, you know, that's four years ago. And so even just since then, it's grown a lot. You know, we had 6,000 people when I moved here. We probably got double that now in mm-hmm. city limits. And so, um, yeah, but I think maybe they had good intentions behind it. You know, I don't think any of it was meant to hide anything. Right. But I think maybe they just never got into paying a whole lot of attention when it comes to what law enforcement is doing. Yeah. So I love that you're mentioning that because those are some things that that's like a question I wouldn't have even thought to ask because I didn't even know that there was a question there to ask. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some other misconceptions do you think that people have about uh, police officers? All of them remain. All of them remain. (laughs) Jerks and they're just out for for money. And, (laughs) you know, when I first I, you know, when I first got off FTO, pulling cars over, you know, I'm a go-getter. I don't like to sit at the office all day and drink coffee. I mean, I love coffee, but, and I don't like to sit all day. I kind of like to ride around and, you know, I like to check on people, make sure they're okay. I'm a big community policing guy because I think if you involve the community within a police department, I think it, the support helps a lot. Yeah. You know, if we've got people, like if I pull somebody over, we've got people that will sometimes pull up across the road from me and just watch, make sure everything's okay. 
You know, you have cities that people don't do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's some misconceptions about it. You know, all, every officer's rude. Every police officer's mean. You know, there's a time and a place for that. Yeah. Maybe not to be rude, but to be upfront. But, you know, I've pulled people over. For example, I won't mention his name, but I pulled a gentleman over. He was a black male. He was with some family. <clears throat> and uh, I, I knew I'd recognized him from somewhere. Did you pull him over for violating, obviously? Yeah. His, he... I think maybe his uncle or his grandfather was driving. He'd run a red light. Okay. And so I said, hey, man, uh, I just want to let you know you ran a red light. Uh, can I get your driver's license? And uh, he was in the back seat. And I said, man, I know you from somewhere. What's your name? And he wouldn't answer me. I said, what's your name, man? He wouldn't answer me. I said, so I had his uncle roll the back window down. And he has headphones in. And I said, man, I don't know if you're listening to me or not. I said, but you've obviously had a bad experience somewhere with the police officer. And I want to introduce myself to you. I'm David Frazier. I said, you don't have to call me Officer Frazier, but I'm David Frazier. If you need anything, you let me know. You know, I just want to introduce myself. Kind of break whatever he had his head already about me, this misconception. I mm-hmm. wanted to break that. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he did actually have a bad experience with a police officer previously in previous years when he was in high school. And so he messaged me on Facebook later that day. I never met him before. Really? Yes, I had seen him around town and um, his girlfriend works at a place that we stop at frequently. And so I said, he messaged me on Facebook. He was like, man, I'm so sorry for being rude to you. He said, I had a bad experience with a police officer previously and I thought you were him at first. So I didn't want to talk to you. He said, but I appreciate it. You've always been nice. You know, just having a conversation back and forth and we built a friendship off of it just like that. You yeah. Know? And so... I've been able to pray with people on the side of the road. Like just last night, had somebody drive in. I was driving through Mississippi, like 3 a.m. Rain stoplight in town, the everlasting red light that everybody talks about. (laughs) Yes. We call it the Jesus light because it never changes. No, it's awful. (laughs) Yes. And almost every light here has become that, it seems like. It It feels like like all of them are, they take forever to change. But, you know, she'd run a red light and I got behind her and she was like, we're going to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They lived in Columbus, Mississippi. And so, like, she had the GPS pulled up on her phone. And everything was crying. She had a family member that just committed suicide. Oh. And so, I, you know, had the chance to pray with them and, uh, like, send them on their way. You know, of course, I didn't write her a ticket. You know, I try to give grace when stuff happens like that. But, you know, she's never met me. I'm, I may never see her again. But being able to reach a community like that, even though she's not from here, but being able yeah. to break these misconceptions of, you know, Every profession has somebody that's bad or that messes up and makes mistakes. Well, I think sometimes we think if somebody disagrees with me, then that makes them bad. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, whether that's a school teacher or an employer or anything like that, Mm -hmm. we want to go, well, we don't see it eye to eye. So that person's bad and I'm good. And so I can easily see how people could think that. Where does, uh, so you talked about praying with people. Are there other ways that your faith in God intersects with what you do with your job? What does that look like? So let me maybe maybe ask this a little bit differently. So okay. here's here's kind of a soapbox for me about ministry. So ministry to me is not a public platform preaching or leading worship within a church or event culture. Do you feel the same? Yes. Yeah. So you are in ministry as a police officer because this is what God has called you to do. So you understand that? You recognize that? What are some other ways that you are able to use your gifts within ministry besides praying? This lady's son had passed away in a truck accident on the interstate a few years ago, and she was actually delivering flowers to his grave the day I pulled her over. Didn't know it. Mama Nao, I just prayed with her, and I didn't know that either. 
And so, all right, you know, my mom now owns that flower shop yep. in town. So I pull her over and, um, you know, she starts crying and I'm like, what's wrong? Are you okay? Do I need to call somebody for you? You know, she, and then she explains the situation, of course. And, um, I asked her if I could pray for her. So instead of actually giving her a word of knowledge, I said, Hey, I've got a word for you. I just prayed that word over her mm-hmm. because I asked if I could pray for her. And she said, yes. So I have to be different about the way I deliver words, you know, cause yeah. when you're in RCM or in ministry in general within a church body, you can walk up to somebody like, man, I got a word for you. I need to give it to you. Yeah. I heard the Lord me, say yes. this for you. Or- but instead of doing that now, I kind of have to move my way around it, you know, and pray through it. So, yeah, I love that you're talking, that you're saying all of that because oh, we just need to give people permission to use the gifts that God has given you in whatever setting you are. Yes. So you can think of, I would think if I was going to be a police officer, I would ask God for words of knowledge all the time, not necessarily to tell people, but for me to recognize, to have discernment yes. and to recognize the situation I'm in. Like, oh, that guy over there has a gun. Yeah. Oh, this person is lying. This person mm-hmm. like to be able to have that gift of discernment. So I think a lot of people operate in that. Maybe they want to call it intuition but i'd like to think it's the holy spirit going hey there's a little more to this story than you think and so to receive words of knowledge about a situation helps you know how to move forward Mm -hmm. in it and then giving prophetic words to people what you're hearing god say about a situation doesn't have to be weird it doesn't have to be a whole laying on of hands and you know this speaking in tongues or whatever you basically just tell the person what you hear and you this is this is what you're hearing from the Lord. And so you're just saying it out of your mouth as if it's your word, knowing it's God's word. Like it doesn't have to be weird for people. But I wondered about that. Is there anything about praying with people? Like you can, if people are okay with that? Yeah. So you you work for the state. That's right. Yeah. So as long as, um, you know, we live in the Bible Belt, So a lot of people around here are open to it, even if they don't go to church. So um, I, I just have to be careful in a sense of, I can't just like openly preach to people yeah. because some people have different views. Some people, you know, one person may be Muslim and then the other person may be a Christian. And yeah. then he may be Buddhist. You know, I can't be like, man, God's saying this about you, but he'd be Buddhist. And then he'll go to the mayor and say something about <laughs> me because I, you know, told him what God said about him, you know? Yeah. So I do have to be careful, but it's not so much around here. I think it, that's more up north where you see a lot of, or in the northern area of the United States where you see a lot of people who have different religion or religious views and you kind of just have to be use discernment with it you know yeah so but a lot of people here are open to it and as long as they say yes i'm good yeah how do i as a member of a community in my city here how do i best support you as a police officer and our city government and our police force what do i need to do what do i need to not do um when it comes to the police department um and within the city government is to vote based on who do you think is going to support your first responders in the city. You know, I'll, it just depends. So, like, within the city itself, Hamilton's grown a lot, but I think Hamilton can grow more when it comes in areas of businesses and stuff like that. Yeah. Allowing businesses to come in and let the economy work itself out. You know, yeah. I'm big on letting the economy do its thing and, you know, just stepping back from it and letting it do it, you know. Yeah. But when it comes to the police department itself is – um, a lot of city council members, when they run, from what I understand, they don't talk a lot about first responders and stuff like that. Uh, and sometimes if they do, it's brief and, you know, I support law enforcement or I support first responders when it comes to fire and EMS and stuff like that. But 
Like, what are they? What are their plans actually when it comes to law enforcement, supporting law enforcement? Because those are the people we elect over the city. They control everything that goes on here for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing, you know, we have a lot of people. I think Hamilton is good when it comes to the support of law enforcement. I'd say maybe ninety percent support them and ten percent don't. The ten percent are sometimes just more vocal. Yeah. Than the ninety percent. You know, when you go to a restaurant, for example, if it's good. You know, they say you'll tell three people. If it's bad, you'll tell 10 that it was bad. <laughs> right. You know? And so we have a pretty, a, a really good community here that supports law enforcement. Um, and of course, the ones that commit crime don't support them because they're committing crime. Clearly. So, yeah. 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 That's a big thing here. So how do we, what's the biggest, um, I don't know if I want to use the word danger. What's the biggest threat right now to our city? You said meth is a big yeah, deal. Yeah, methamphetamine, um, drugs and narcotics in general, I'd say. You know, I went up to Florence to get some handcuffs and stuff when I first graduated the academy at a place called Emergency Way up there. And he asked me where I was a police officer at, and I said, Hamilton. He said, Marion County. I said, yes, sir. And he said, meth central. Wow. That was his first word. That was it. So, you know, of course, being... As soon as I got hired on, I realized that, you know, I've always wanted to work narcotics too. So that's all I wanted. That's all I do most of the time is I'm out here working narcotics. You know, you have some officers who like to work traffic and you have some, that's the freedom of this job is I can go write a ticket if I want to, or I can let you go. I don't have to write your ticket. You know, we have discretion, officer discretion, but uh, yeah, I'd say the biggest danger to the community when it comes to an avenue of crime is narcotics. Yeah. And methamphetamine is big here. It's really... A lot. Some of it comes from different places around here, and some of it comes from Mexico. Is it because of the interstate coming through here? Or? That may have a big part in it. Um, we don't work the interstate. Uh, if we worked the interstate, we'd probably have to hire 10 more officers. Yeah. Because of the volume that comes on the interstate. So, the troopers most of the time work it, so we don't get to intercept any of it that comes gotcha. in. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I would say the interstate probably plays a big part in it. Yeah. Uh, here, Walker County, you know, that all goes right to Jefferson County. Is there something else that I would be surprised to know about that happens in our city? Hmm, let's see. I'm trying to think on what I, when I first moved here, what I wouldn't have expected. Uh, some of the areas of poverty. I was just city. about to ask yes. about poverty. It's probably some of the areas of poverty here. There's some people who don't have running water, electricity. Here right now in our city. In our city that have to use the restroom and buckets. Right now yes. in our city in the year 2020. Mm-hmm. In our city, in multiple parts of our city, yes. Some of them are in the outskirts and some of them are on the side of the road. You just wouldn't think. Yeah. I mean, there's one not too far down the road from here. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd say the poverty, you you have a lot of uh, middle class, upper class people in Hamilton. And then you have a lot. There's uh, an interesting medium. There's not one. I mean, there is one, like you have a lot of middle class people, but you're either on the lower end or you're on the upper end, you know. We have a pretty diverse economy here, but I'd say, yeah, it's split right in the middle. When you answer calls or see things like that, uh, do you do you refer those types of situations to other people that can help them? Or do these people just choose to stay like this? <laughs> um, there are some that just choose it, uh, whether it be by the decisions they make, how they spend their money. You know, I try not to get involved in people's personal life because... Um, I'll go home and lose sleep over it. You know, I don't yeah. like to go home and get, you know, if I get involved in a situation, you know, I try, I do get involved sometimes emotionally and, uh, you know, caring for people. We had a gentleman commit suicide a few weeks ago and his seven-year-old boy and five-year-old boy were there. 
Oh, man. Hurt. That was tough. You know, you go home and you kind of lose sleep over that because, you know, what are those seven-year-old and five-year-old boy, how are they going to grow up and deal with this, you know? Yeah. So that was tough. But then, you you know, I try not to get involved in how people do live their personal life, whether, I mean, if they're doing drugs, I'm like, dude, you got to stop doing that. Like, it's going to kill you. Yeah. Or, you know. And two, it's against the law. Yeah, it is against the law. <laughs> and I'm a police officer. Yes, that's right. So, uh, you know, I, that's that's about as far as I go, though. Um, yeah. Okay. I will refer them. The Baptist Church in town does a good job. The ramp does a good job on mm-hmm. helping people throughout the community. But the steps that people take when they get there, you know, there's a lot of people when they get there. Uh, some churches require you to fill out forms. I, the Baptist Church does. I think the ramp does. So, you know, you just have to fill it. And then they're like, well, why do I have to do this? I'm just, you know, there's some people who would take advantage of it. Um, but I try not to get too involved in how people spend their money and get involved because some of them are living in the situation they are because it's their own fault yeah they're choosing to do that mm-hmm. and want to continue doing that yep. yeah it's hard to help people that uh really don't want to be helped mm-hmm. it's such a challenging thing for me it when is. i see things like that and uh i don't think i would make a very good police officer <laughs> <laughs> yes it's been interesting yeah too. so i'm thankful for people like you because i really want to be able to recognize um how God is using people in the earth in in ways that we just can't even imagine. Like I, I see what you do as God's hands and feet in the earth, really what you do. And even for police officers that honestly may not know God, who they're just doing their job because this is their job, I think God still uses people like that to um, be his hands and feet in the mm-hmm. earth to come and to protect and to serve and um, to assist. And uh, I think what you do is so vital and so important. And uh, we honor you. And you kind of went against the grain here in our city to go to ministry school yes. <laughs> and then become a police and officer. The city. Yeah, I'm yeah. the first one from the ramp. It's ever been a Hamilton police officer, other than Jordan Carter. Yep. He's a deputy now. But um, he started out. He started out as a police, police officer, officer and then yep. came to the ramp. And then came so, to the ramp. You know, what's really interesting about, well, we have an awesome friendship. I love Jordan Carter. Yeah, He's I do an too. awesome person. Uh, when I first moved here, you know, he hadn't even come to the ramp yet. Uh, we met downtown. We were all riding longboards downtown, and he came out and hung out with us. <laughs> I remember a, that a story. Named Zach. <laughs> yes, Zach Cochran. And he, he's not a deputy anymore, but they'd come down and hang out and- we got to know each other and being friends, and I invited him to church, and we've been friends ever since. Yeah, so and I now he comes he's to awesome. church. He is awesome. So. so he's taught me a lot. I learned a lot from him. Uh, we just have a good friendship, but it's good. So yeah, well, we appreciate what you guys do. Did you guys catch that this young man is 22 years old? I felt at times I was talking to someone with years of experience in his field. David is an example of what it looks like when we say yes to that thing that God is calling us to do, even if we don't feel equipped or qualified. I am so grateful for the men and women who recognize their calling to serve and protect our city and also our nation. Friends, so glad you joined us today. If you want to get connected on social media, we've got a Facebook page for the podcast you can go like called What's Next God Podcast. Or you can find me on Instagram or Facebook under the name Melissa Matheson. That's math, like four plus one equals five. I before E, son, S-O-N. We'll be back here on Wednesday talking with some of my friends about the camels coming. We'll hear their story of how they met, dated, and married. And I'll give you a hint. 
He used to be into cars and drag racing, and it was her car that he noticed first before they ever went on a date. Come join us Wednesday as we sit around the table, have a cup of coffee, and talk about what's next, God. God.